0: power to the rear deflector shield. We definitely do. Since when do you know how to fly? 190 years old? You look great. Chewie, get in. I'll help Anders.
1: And welcome to a special spoiler cast edition of the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And it's
0: time to spoil Solo, a Star Wars story. Here's our normal warning. If you've not seen Solo, go back to our episode 51 that we released earlier, and you can hear our spoiler free review of it there. Because in this spoiler cast, we're going to talk about every inch of this movie, the whole thing will be spoiled we'll discuss all the surprises, go into the depth of our thoughts of certain scenes, and we're just going to generally spoil the movie for you. So do not listen if you have not seen the movie.
1: Yeah. One of the things when we do these spoiler casts is we won't talk as much about the solo as film, you know, critically as film. This is us getting into the nuts and bolts of the story and whether we thought certain things worked and didn't work based upon things that happened in, in the film and so um Yeah, so we're we're assuming you have watched Solo. We would love for you to participate with us in this discussion. Uh, Get on our Facebook page, uh, Film Coterie, and um, uh, as we put something up on Instagram, you know, get involved. Uh, Get into a discussion. We'll create maybe a special spoiler, spoilery thread for Solo, A Star Wars Story, because I'm excited to hear not only what you're, you know, I've talked to some of my family, some of my friends. We've we've kind of been kicking this movie around. Um, my one brother, who is a Star Wars nut, I mean, this guy is a collector and and just has read all the novels and read all the extended universe. <clears throat> he's about you know his name is Keith and he's about as big a Star Wars nut as they come. And he said he loved the movie, but he thought there was one major flaw and i was like i was texting him i'm like keith what was the one major flaw us oh, too much to get into over text
0: <laughs> so you don't know the
1: flaw i was like i'm about to do a podcast tell me <laughs> what the major flaw was but anyway um, adam initial thoughts just you know general feelings about the movie
0: and then let's dive right in so i walked out of the movie as a net positive i liked the film and i liked it as a star wars film this introduced not only things we knew about the solo story <coughs> but took it in some surprising direction. And more importantly, it added, uh, ancillary characters that I care about. I want to see what happens to some of these characters going forward. If they were to make more movies, uh, namely being Kira Lando and even uh, a criminal organization. And that was the biggest surprise of the movie. We're going to talk about that at the end. The big surprise that will make every star Wars fans eyes pop out of their head happens at the end of the movie. So <coughs> we'll, we'll save that for the end. We'll, we'll jump into some of the other stuff earlier. No,
1: absolutely. And um you have to kind of know what my day was like. You know, we had it's end of the year. May is a tough month
0: in the Roger Leg family. Let me say this life. real quick. <laughs> Because normally we see these movies in December. This is yes. the first new Star Wars movie to come out in May. Ooh, I don't like it. <laughs> and you always have issues in December. There's always some school program or banquet. They or... always
1: pick these times where, you know, in May we've got every single end of the year banquet, award ceremony, leadership. So we had a leadership banquet last night. And so it didn't get over till about 8.20. So I knew intentionally I had to book the 10 o'clock was the next showing that I could get into that wasn't 3D and that was on a big screen, you know, that had reserved seating in case I had to roll in five minutes, you know, after it started. So I'd had a long day. I was up early, long day, worked in the studio here all day. <clears throat> I went to this program. I was kind of a little bit tired going into the movie to begin with. But, I, you know, it's Star Wars, I'm getting amped up about it and, and starting to come alive. But when it was over, it's, it's a long movie, two hours and 25 minutes or something. It's a pretty long movie. We didn't get out to like 12.50 or something. And I was just kind of like numb. I was kind of like, oh, okay, that, that was okay. And I thought, man, I is this the first Star Wars movie I don't like? But the longer I sat with it, the longer I thought about it, and then today thinking about it all day today, it's really grown on me. So I'm very positive on the movie overall. We shared a lot of our thoughts. I thought all of the supporting cast was excellent in the film. I was not a huge fan. Uh, I, I, I think the guy that played Han Solo did a good job, but he's such an iconic character to me. I just couldn't... You know, I mean, it was OK, but he did the best he could with it. But overall, I'm very positive about the movie. I would give it three, three and a half stars, um, B, B plus, somewhere in that, that ballpark overall. So.
0: OK, so let's jump in. So the movie opens on Corellia. This is a Star Wars world that we've heard about, we've read about, we've never seen until this movie where you're familiar with Coruscant, where the Galactic Senate and where the, the Empire makes its heart, that was a city that took over a planet. Well, Corellia is a factory that took over a planet. It's completely industrial. It's where they build starships. And it's a terrible place to live. It's all dark and grimy and, and polluted. It's, it's one giant factory that people just happen to live inside, wherever they can find space to live.
1: Yeah, and... um <clears throat> Kind of lets you know up front that here's this, there's a recurring theme with Star Wars about orphaned kids having to grow up and make it on their own. And here we have Solo, another kind of orphaned, kind of living on the streets, you know, stealing what he can, smuggling what he can. But it starts out right with the um, Kira, the Melia Clark character. Is it Kira? Or- yeah, Kira. Kira. They're already right into a relationship. They're boyfriend and girlfriend. They're they're making plans to leave the planet together and get out of there. And star-crossed lovers. They are star-crossed lovers. And um, I thought their their chemistry. I thought they connected pretty good. I mean, it was it was it was believable. You know.
0: So here's a big turn for Han. He's an orphan, just with one name, and that's important. His name is just Han. Just Han. He's working for a slug, not like a hut, but some kind of. Slug creature.
1: Why is why is it? Let me just stop right there. Why is it that all of the outlaw mercenaries, heads of mercenaries in the galaxy are really worm-like, slug-like creatures? Jabba and then this slug thing that comes up out of the water.
0: Yeah, and this, this creature really didn't work for me. It has a strange, like, grandmother voice. In the life of me, I don't know why they didn't just have it speak in alien dialect. Han has a good ear for alien dialects because he actually understands Huttese <coughs> and right. Wookiee yeah. and all these other things. Han could understand it and just subtitle it because the grandmotherly voice was kind of off-putting to me. Yeah, and that, but didn't In the jewelry. It was a weird...
1: It was a weird, snake-like, weird, yeah. It didn't work for me at all, but it appeared that Corellia is mostly water. I mean, did you notice when they went out from one building to another, it was just like ocean everywhere? So maybe that's kind of clearly as natural how they get energy and stuff as it's an ocean planet or something. I don't, I don't know, you know. But, yeah, the, she didn't work for me at all. But, you know, it, it, it Han's is. Han's
0: scheme is that he has stolen a little bit of hyperfuel, this fuel that they need for the bigger ships that actually power Star Destroyers. You see a Star Destroyer being built in the atmosphere. And he's going to lie to his boss, the Slug. And the goal is to escape with Kira, get to uh, the emigration point where you'd leave the planet that's under Imperial control, and bribe an Imperial officer to get through the checkpoint. That's their goal. They want to get off this world yep. together and buy a ship. Yep. And then sail out into the
1: galaxy and smuggle and get into all kinds of adventures.
0: So I like what they did here because Han loses Kira. They get separated because of the Imperials. And there's there's people from the the criminal organization that they were worth, looking for Kira. He gets separated and he loses the the bribe. He's got nothing. They're looking for him. What's his only way out? He actually does what Luke was about to do. He joins the Imperial Academy. Yeah. Luke wanted to do that in the first movie. Luke wanted to get off Tatooine so bad, he was going to go off to the Imperial Academy. Where all his
1: friends had went. Which is a really interesting dynamic, considering where the events of Star Wars Episode One and him blowing up the Death Star, you know, went. But anyway.
0: And there's a funny little nod here. You see some propaganda in the background, and it's playing kind of an uplifting version of the Imperial theme, yeah. if you caught that, and join the well, Imperial it's, forces. Well,
1: it's, it's a different slant. It's propaganda, absolutely. And I thought it was interesting. I was hoping for a minute that we might get some Space Flight Academy Han, you know? I was kind of thinking, are we going to get Han going off to the Academy and learning and watching how he becomes a pilot? But no, it jumps right into a war what, three
0: years later. I mean, you were right. This is the first Star Wars movie that doesn't take place over just a week. It's Most Star Wars movies take place over a couple days. This one finally has a jump. We've seen him leave for the Academy. He's going to become a fly boy. And now we find out that he's an irregular. They've kicked him out because he yep. had his own thoughts. Just in said. the infantry now. Well, it's even worse. The Imperials, if they kick you out, you become part of the Irregulars, which are the human meat shields for the Stormtroopers. Yes. They're just a ragtag group of, the, not deserters, but people that are low level, right? that are just thrown into the trenches, and they're not even Stormtrooper level of, we care about you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so then, he, he that's where he encounters uh, the Woody Harrelson character, who... And um, a uh, Westworld character shows up, you know? character, actress. An actress. Tandy Newton. Yeah, the, Tandy Newton that plays in Westworld. Her and Woody Harrelson are rogues, smugglers. Scoundrels.
0: Scoundrels, you know? And he picks up on it right away. And um, uh, It plays to Han's strength that he's smart enough to notice that these guys don't fit in. He notices the burn marks in the Imperial uniforms. They've shot the people that were wearing these uniforms, and they are right. there. On this war-torn world, it doesn't say where. They're just trying to steal equipment. They want to steal a ship that can lift some heavy cargo.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's interesting, the way they play Han through this movie, he is sharp. He's He's a cut above most normal scoundrels or whatever. He's really, whether that's a secret force power or intuitiveness, he just has, you know. But he's always constantly one step ahead of everybody else, you know. Which I thought was kind of cool. But, uh, you know, Woody Harrelson's character, and the, the, the that's the scoundrel. They turn on him, and, and he ends up getting thrown into the pit with the monster. The beast. The
0: beast. They say, yes. feed him to the beast.
1: Feed him to. The, and when we go in, he falls into this mud pit. I mean, And whore. they set
0: it up, they make you think it's going to be a rancor.
1: Uh, that's what you thought initially it was. Because there's yeah. a
0: chain in a big cave, and you don't know what he's chained to, and it's coming. The chain's moving and something big, I'm using quotes, is coming out of the cave. But it's not a rancor. It's, it's Chewbacca. Yeah.
1: Now, now, what did you think about this scene? They meet and Han breaks out some Chewbacca language, some Wookiee language. <laughs> for the
0: first time ever in Star Wars, you hear a human try to talk in Wookiee language. I, it didn't really work for it me. It doesn't work for me. Either. I was like, serious? Well, the weird thing is, why doesn't Han ever do that again? He never, never. ever speaks to Chewbacca. Never. Using Chewbacca's native tongue again. He understands Chewie, and Chewie can understand him. Chewie's got an ear for basic. But it, it was just kind of weird way. It was not as bad as, like, Martha from the Superman-Batman movie, but it, it reminded me of that. I, I really was, like, this close
1: at this point in time in the movie to going... Oh my gosh, they're going to jump the shark.
0: This is going to be really bad. The movie, like I said, is a rough start. The stuff on Corelli is not great. This war scene stuff isn't great. The movie doesn't get decent until the train scene, and then it goes up from there. Yes, yeah. So I, I wish there was just a better way they could have interacted. I mean, Han just even trying to beg with Chewie and tell him that he can get him out of there or something besides speaking Wookiee.
1: This is one of my real pet peeves about this movie. Chewbacca is an integral part of Star Wars legacy of the Star Wars mythos of the Star Wars story. And you're going to give him a 90 seconds in a mud pit of them wrestling around. And then, Oh, that's how they met. And then they're best friends. There's no other, they're, yeah. just, they're just fast friends. I, I I mean, I really thought that part of me thought I was going to get a different solo movie. I really kind of thought they're going to spend the whole first act on Han and Chewie getting together,
0: you know? Or the whole second act will be just that. Now, here's an alarming thing. Based on what those stormtroopers were saying, was Chewie eating people? That's what they had implied, is that Chewbacca was eating the people
1: they threw down there. (laughs)
0: Yeah. That's just a dark turn for the character that's not
1: needed. Well, and you made this comment in our regular podcast about Solo. If you had no background about Chewbacca whatsoever... He doesn't come across in the greatest light in this film. No. He's He's not the lovable character we all come to know and love. The
0: walking carpet that gives hugs to Leia and everything else in the original trilogy. He doesn't have that warmth here. No, not at all. And I'm not the director. I'm not the writers. But I, I just think they missed an opportunity. What was great in the original Star Wars is that the rescue of Princess Leia gets turned on its head. They don't know what to do after they get to her cell. She's the one that breaks them out. I think it would have been a much better sequence if Chewie was the brains here. Han was yeah. captured. What if Chewie was the one that kind of figured everything out, and Han just followed along? Yeah, that'd
1: have been a lot of fun. Yeah, but they they meet, they come together, and they find um, Woody Harrelson's character, the, the the scoundrel Beckett. Beckett and those guys, they find him and catch a they hitch a ride, and they're off the world, and they're off to. Make a score. And it's at that point, do we go and visit who Beckett's actually working for? It is, isn't it?
0: No, it's after the train sequence because he has to go tell them why he lost the score. That's right, yes.
1: This is where the movie's going to pick up and get good from here on. When they went to the the world that had had the—they were trying to steal a bunch of fuel,
0: right, that was in a train car. This is expensive fuel because the Imperials are refining it for their Star Destroyers. It's for capital ships, and it just a little bit goes a long way. The whole reason they even get to leave that war-torn world is that the, the crew, Beckett and his guys, they want Chewbacca. They want the muscle. They don't care about Han. They realize there's value in having a Wookiee. No, yeah, absolutely. And this was very
1: beautiful. I mean, the, the you know, you think train, it was really a monorail system, you know. But, I mean, the the backdrops were gorgeous. Um, The wind effect was great. I, I know, I don't think it would... It, Wasn't shot anyway. I'm sure it was all, you know, CGI and, and green screen and stuff. But it was just, I thought it was incredible. I mean, I really, really thought it was one of the stronger elements of the film was that scene on the train with them, Chewie having to knock the car loose and then. The, um, the other, I should have pulled up the names. The Marauders. Of this. The Marauders come and steal, they come and steal the, you know, yeah. the, 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 the bounty from them.
0: So you've seen, it looks like a bounty hunter. The Marauders <clears throat> are led by a character named Ennis Nest. Yes. This is a character with a headdress and kind of like a, a, a bounty hunter style helmet. And they ride on swoops, the speeder bikes. And they're, they're dealing with trying to steal this train car from the Imperials. That's why they stole the heavy lifter. That can actually lift the car they're gonna separate it from the train and take the car, but then the marauders also want the fuel, so they come in so they're battling both forces here and, and things go awry
1: right um and it works you know we definitely discover that and whether this is foreshadowing with with Han down the road and um and and uh and his love interest in this movie or with Leia down the road we show that. A lot of the scoundrel that Han will become, he, l- he s- sees in
0: Beckett. Well, and this is an important distinction. In the old expanded universe, Beckett was like an Oliver Twist character to Han. Han was an orphan. Beckett was the guy that was running the orphans, teaching him how to steal, okay. how to swindle, how to run a scheme.
1: Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: so Beckett was an existing character. It's not like the one in the movie, but they, they still made him a mentor. He's teaching oh, Han the ways of being okay. a smuggler and being a criminal.
1: Well, that's cool.
0: They have another alien here. Does this alien remind you of Rocket Raccoon? That's all people are saying because of his voice and delivery. He's a four-armed little alien pilot. He,
1: he reminded me like of a, a four-armed monkey or something. I didn't really, not Rocket Raccoon at all for Well, he me. speaks
0: basic. Right. And it was maybe just his, he sounds a little bit like a mobster.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I, I didn't like the character at all, to be honest with you. No, I, I he's wouldn't. not on screen much. He dies no. early. He gets shot. Yeah. And he dies. That's the reason Han has to go up and pilot the ship. And Thandy Newton's character also has an emergency exit. She blows the bridge. Yeah. And I don't know if this was a, a forced situation because they couldn't get actors or actresses back. The character of Dryden Foss, the gangster played by Paul Bettany, was played by an originally different guy. And he couldn't come back for any reshoots, so they had to bring in Paul Bettany to redo the whole character. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Well, I think Paul Bettany did a good job. And Dandy Newton had to shoot Westworld. I don't know that she was able to come back. They may have engineered her out. Yeah. Because here's the weird thing. She dies, but it seems like she's the love interest of Beckett. She obviously is. But he doesn't react to her death.
1: No. Yeah. <clears throat> I think you get, with that transition, you really get to see where... You know, Ron Howard had to come in and, and shift gears and make some changes and do a bunch of rewrites. So you lose some continuity because of having to rework the movie there. And
0: that's a strange thing is that Beckett doesn't really react. He's not in mourning. He's not angry. Her death just doesn't really exist on his radar. I mean, maybe that's the character, but it also feels like maybe they just couldn't use Andy Newton anymore.
1: But at least give us, bring him in for reshoots where he's mourning you know? His crew's gone, and he just moves on.
0: But maybe that's Beckett. I and Maybe mean, that's
1: his life. Okay, just get another crew. But she seemed
0: more than just a cr- another crew member. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you'd hire Thandie Newton for one sequence. No. Two. She's on the war-torn planet, and then she's on the train heist.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. So what else, Adam? They
0: lose the fuel. It doesn't go right. It, it's the the band of misfits here. I'm this telling you. This is the first time Han dumps a load. <laughs> Because that's what Jabba was mad at him. Yeah. He dropped his cargo at the first sign of Imperials. And that's why he has the dead on his head in A New Hope. Here, they have to dump the cargo to get away from the Marauders. And that's what leads them to Dryden Voss. They have to go tell the crime boss, we'll fix it. Now, this, we'll is, you where, another shipment.
1: this is where the movie starts to pick up and, get, and continue to get interesting. Because who does he run into when he meets Dryden Voss? Kira, his love interest played by Amelia Clark on back on their homeworld, you know, and three years has went by. Four years has went by. Time has passed. And she they definitely she looks different. You know, she's well, very well dressed and she's moved up the ladder.
0: She carries herself as a professional like businesswoman.
1: Yeah. And it's implied that she has literally had to go through hell and back. And some horrific things she's had to do to get to that point.
0: And she's now the number two to Dryden
1: <clears throat> boss. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so I-, I thought she did a great job of balancing the line of, I still have feelings for you, Han, but I've moved on and this is the world I live in now, you know? And um, kind of like she's mysterious. There's something going on here, you know? Uh, Which we'll find out at the end of the movie. There was definitely some stuff going on.
0: So they got to make it right. They need to get more fuel. There's no way they're going to get the refined stuff that's safe-ish. It's still very explosive. So they have to actually do what we've all known about. They have to do the Kessel Uh, run.
1: When this this was announced, I'm doing backflips. I'm like, this is it. I've always wanted to see... What is the Kessel Run that Han Solo
0: made so famous, you know? In 10.6 parsecs. Yeah, exactly. People have always wondered, <clears throat> because a parsec is not a unit of time, it's a unit of distance. What is the Kessel Run? Why is it measured in distance? Well, as it turns out, the fuel is very dangerous and it deteriorates quickly till it explodes. So you have to get it from the world of Kessel to a refinery in a very fast fashion. Before it, yeah, before it. Blows you up. But the problem is Kessel is surrounded by a maelstrom. Yes. This space storm that ships get lost in. There's creatures in. Yeah. And there's there's a way through it, but it takes about 20 parsecs. Not for Han Solo. (laughs) (laughs) And Han needs a ship. Han needs a ship. So before you even get to Kessel, uh, Kira's character knows a guy. Yep. And that guy is none other than Lando Calrissian. And this is where... Enter
1: into the room, Donald Glover, who took on the epitome of Lando Calrissian. He was, he was smooth, smooth and just debonair and and sneaky and yet still scoundrel himself, but with much class.
0: The best part is you can't trust <clears throat> Han and you can't trust Lando. They're both nope. gonna play each other.
1: Absolutely.
0: So they, they get into the gambling den. Han plays Lando in a game of Sabak for the Falcon and loses. But you see, and Han sees more importantly, Lando's a cheat. He's a card cheat. He's got a mechanism hitting up yeah. his wrist to give him the winning card. Yep.
1: And, you know, just kind of continuing with the story, um, they decide to use his ship, and we see a new version of the Millennium Falcon. They find it, and guess what? It just happens to be impounded.
0: (laughs) Lando owes some debts. (laughs) There's an imperial restraint on it. Yes, and
1: so, um, uh, of course, uh, Beckett is able to remove the restraint out of his resourcefulness. And some Wookiee muscle. Muscle. And so they decide to cut Lando in, give him 20% or 25% if he'll let them use his ship. And um, what did you think of Lando's co-pilot, his droid? Her name's
0: L3. She's a droid like you've never seen. She allegedly built herself or upgraded herself. She's the self-aware droid. Maybe a little too self-aware. She's kind of an annoying character. And it it doesn't really pay off because she's got a very, very short arc. Because she's going to not survive the Kessel experience. Right. But she's very vocal. Yeah. She wants to free all the droids. She views droids as slaves, which has been a debate in the Star Wars universe.
1: No, ab- absolutely. I can't say I really liked her character. It just didn't.
0: It was more annoying than anything else. She doesn't work as well as K2SO. K2SO is the droid in Rogue One who was right. funny. Yeah. He was different because they removed his must-follow Imperial stuff, and he was a little wonky and crazy. But K2SO made me laugh. Her humor was a little more forced. Right, yeah, I would agree. Um, and she sounded like uh, Phasma. It's I, not the same actress, but it she sounds like, just like her, like Phasma through her helmet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay,
1: so what else stuck out to you as we're moving along the film here?
0: Uh, the Kessel sequence on the ground. They go to the planet first. Here's a funny little Easter egg, is that when they go in, Beckett grabs a costume from Lando's ship, and it's the bounty hunter costume that Lando will wear in Return of the Jedi. So Lando just has this laying around in his closet.
1: I, I think I missed that. I don't think I caught that, to be honest It's the thing with, with the
0: teeth yes. and the helmet and the oh, brown yeah, chest Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's the disguise Lando wears when they go to Jabba's palace. Yes,
1: in Return of the Jedi. In Return yes. of the Jedi. Okay, okay, yeah. I so did Lando just has
0: that in his cloak closet. Well,
1: you know. With the, well, and there was a hilarious scene where um kira is in there trying on cloaks or something is that yeah and i thought that was funny here's lando and all these cloaks in his wardrobe
0: and that room exists in the original trilogy it's now just a mechanical room okay that's the scene where that's the room where Han and Leia first kiss when she's working on all the machines and the pipes and everything that's the cloak room that's oh, now been converted. okay okay Han didn't have any need for Now,
1: poker. the Millennium Falcon that we get does not look like the Millennium Falcon in the original
0: trilogy. He says he has an escape pod installed up front, and it's between the two Ford positions. Right. So it's a flat front instead of having the U-shape that's normally there. Thus allowing us to sell even more toys. And it's very sparkling and new. It looks great inside, and the it outside did. is pristine. Yeah, it looked great. It really did. Until Han trashes it later in the movie. <clears throat> By going through the maelstrom, <laughs> which it looks, was great, it crash lands on yep the planet later, yeah.
1: So they, so they, they capture, they get their cargo. Of course, they, you know, the um, uh, the bounty hunters, whatever, have put a tracking device on it. The marauders. The marauders. I keep forgetting to call them the marauders. They, they put a tracking device on it. Han makes the Kessel run in 10.6 parsecs or whatever. They blast out of there. They land on this
0: planet. Well, here's an important distinction because the yeah. L3 gets fatally shot on Kessel. Yes. Now this is a nice little nod. I think this was a creative what they came up with. Most ships need a droid to navigate. That's the Astromex, like R2. They 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 have all the maps and charts and they, navigate they do the hyperspace. math. Falcon could always do it on its own in the original movie. They never explained why. Now we know. Now we know, Is L3 <laughs> was uploaded to the Falcon, her navi computer and her system, even though she was dying, Lando puts her in the Falcon, so she's a part of the Falcon, and this explains why I think Han always talks to her as a female, baby, hold together, baby, come on, girl. I think it's because it's L3. I thought
1: it was a good
0: nod, yeah, putting that together that way, Adam, Absolutely. And it has a different cannon on the dorsal side that gets knocked off. Yes. Yeah. Well, when we see
1: the Falcon in in A New Hope, it's already a patchwork pieced
0: together hunk of bolts, you know. That, <laughs> Hot that... and have let the interior brown and go to waste.
1: Exactly. You know, it's not near— That just goes to show you what happens when Lando gets to steward and take care of a ship versus Han taking care of a ship. Lando's going to keep it sparkling, immaculate, and really nice, and, you know, Han's not. He's going to live in it.
0: Yeah. So then they end up at the refinery. They're refining everything, and the Marauders show up. Now, I think this is a nice twist because they're introducing us to the earliest elements of the Rebellion.
1: Yes. Only we we, we kind of, well, let's just, we're into spoilers, so let's just go there. It's revealed that the Marauders are not necessarily the bad guys. They might be the good guys fighting the bad guys, which is really the Empire, you know.
0: Here's a nice twist for once in Star Wars. So, Enfist Nest, the leader of the Marauders, goes to take off its helmet. We don't know what's underneath there. Yes. It's a muffled voice. And in Star Wars, whenever someone takes off their helmet, it matters. It might be a reveal of a character or something. Well, everyone's kind of taken aback when the helmet comes off and it's not that this is a character we know. It's that this is a teenage girl. Yes. That's why everyone's surprised that when the leader of these marauders is a freckled teenage girl.
1: And did you not get a last Jedi feel from that? How, you know, the hope, you know, I, I immediately thought of Last Jedi and the little boy that used the force to pull the broom up, mm-hmm. that there's always going to be hope in the force out there somewhere, that there'll be a young person somewhere that will become the leader. And, and I was actually moved when she took yeah. off that helmet and it was a young girl, just a freckle faced 14, 15 year old, maybe 16 year old girl. I thought, dang. That's exactly.
0: And she's assembled people that have lost their worlds to the that's Empire. That's
1: exactly how the rebellion should have started. Yeah. A bunch of young kids, teenagers that said, enough is enough.
0: And the important thing is that there's two members of this gang that we see later in Rogue One. Um, his name's escaped me. The guy who plays Willow. Yes. He was in Rogue One, and there's a an alien with a mask and two tubes. His name is something, actually, Two Tubes. Right. They later work for Saw Gerrera, which is the minutes and hours right before New Hope. Yeah. So her gang connects with Sagarer and the rebels expand. So we see the birth of the rebellion, these early stages. I, I thought this was a really neat twist. She wasn't a villain. Yeah. She's she's the rebellion. So we get a couple really good twists here at the end. Uh, before we get
1: to the big reveal at the end, which I thought was really good. We also begin to see that Han is not going to steal the 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 fuel for himself he's not going to give it and and get all the taking
0: enough to get a ship
1: just taking enough to get a ship he actually is going to use what he stole and that's what the rebellion will use to begin the rebellion them 60 million credits or whatever that it is worth is what's going to be the foundation that built in here and i'm like oh wow i'm thinking about that now in new hope and empire and return of the jedi and the ramifications of this origin that we're getting here. So, so Adam, does it affect, when you think of the original trilogy and now that we have the Han Solo's origin story, does that color the Han Solo we know from the original trilogy in what ways? Well, It shows that he's got a good guy
0: streak. He's not, he well, cares about people. One of the
1: characters calls him out and says, you're actually a good guy. What Was it the leader? It
0: was Kira said so that. I know who was you are. It,
1: That's right. Kira said that I know who you are and you are a good guy. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm the bad guy. And it's like, Han, you could, I mean, you may be a scoundrel and a rascal and scruffy nerf herder and all these other things, but you're not the bad guy. Well, let's look.
0: I mean, Han, in the original trilogy, Han leaves before the Death Star attack. He's out of there. he got his money. That's all he cares about.
1: He he thinks he's leaving. Yeah.
0: But he can't. His conscience won't let him. (laughs) He comes back in and saves Luke. Yeah, if it wasn't for Han, Darth Vader would have taken Luke out. Yeah, get an empire. He's leaving. I got bounties on my head. We gotta take care of it. He just can't let it go. He comes back and he's the good guy. So it fits that it's in this movie too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so that was great. And then we find out. I guess maybe one of the last twists of the movie is well,
0: everyone betrays him. Lando leaves. Yes. There's a funny thing. All of Han's bluffs in this movie fail. He's kind of a famous bluffer. Earlier on, he pretends he has a thermal detonator, and they realize it's a rock. It, near the end of the movie, he points to the Falcon that Lando's in and says, I got 30 armed guys in there. And it, and it takes, Lando off just and, takes off takes and, leaves, off and him. leaves him. He deserts him on this world. Yep. And then Beckett. Beckett betrays him. Kira betrays him. <clears throat> Han learns about betrayal through this movie, and even Beckett told him earlier on, you can't trust anyone.
1: No. And um, Beckett meets his end,
0: you know? Um, you want to talk a little bit about that and, and what that scene was like? So Beckett ends up being the betrayer here. He tells Dryden Voss that Han is going to fake him out and steal the fuel. And that leads to a confrontation, and, and Voss is killed by Kira. But, you know, Han thought he could trust Beckett. Beckett was just leaving, but no. Just like uh, Benicio del Toro's character, who's kind of a scoundrel in Last Jedi, there's, there is a yes. betrayal here.
1: And then um, uh, we so much happens right here we we discover how Han learned to shoot first there's a
0: showdown with Beckett
1: so what did you think about that whole scene i like
0: the sequence cuz han does shoot first he shoots beckett earlier than you think he would beckett goes down and says smart move kid i i would have killed you
1: yeah so so han han shows he's not afraid to commit murder if he needs to you know george lucas
0: probably hated that scene but the oh, rest yeah. of us this is the han we know
1: the han we know and love i liked the scene i thought it worked great Uh, It kind of caught me a little bit out of surprise, but I was like, dang, he didn't even get a chance to finish his sentence and he just killed him, you know, kind of a deal. And then we get the discovery of Kira and what's going on with her at the end of this movie. And this really was the audible gasp in the theater. This is the big
0: Star Wars moment. She plugs in her, she takes the ring from Dryden Voss. And earlier, Dryden says, the guy I work for, you don't want to disappoint there's no room for failure. That Whoever's leading this organization, which is called the Red Dawn or something like right. that, yeah, you don't want to mess with. Yep. So she takes the signet ring and plops it in and makes a call. And lo and behold, we get a hologram of a guy. At this point, I realize she's not who we thought she was. I thought this was going to be some Imperial. Right. I thought maybe the Emperor. I thought well, the I twist.
1: I thought at first it was going to be, <clears throat> I'm with you. I think I'm with you. I thought at first... Is that the Emperor we're getting? Is she really uh, like a Jedi? I mean, I mean, a Sith or something?
0: I thought she was going to be an Imperial double agent, that she'd infiltrated these gangs and she was an Imperial officer because she said, You don't know what I've gone through, and we know that the Imperials yeah. capture. I thought they made her an agent. Yeah. But no, it's something even more interesting. Darth Maul himself appears. <laughs> and you feel the energy in the room. Everyone's shocked. Yeah. And it's the
1: full-blown Rebels Darth Maul, you know, right? With the with the skeletal...
0: The, He's got the robot legs and the yeah. red belt that control the legs. Yeah. and For he, those that follow the cartoons, <clears throat> they all know that Darth Maul survived. He's no longer a Sith. He wants to kill the Emperor for leaving him. And he just takes the name Maul and he creates a criminal enterprise. But I never thought we'd see him in the movies again.
1: No, but there he was. And so she's actually working for Maul and their criminal syndicate.
0: And the cool thing is that it's Ray Park playing Maul again, the same actor that played him in Phantom Menace. They never used his voice because he kind of has a higher-pitched British accent. So in this one, they used the cartoon voice actor's voice. So the same Maul voice from the cartoon was in the movie. A little bit of
1: that seemed a little disjointed to me, just a hair, you know. But I'm not very familiar with the Rebels' Darth Maul. But I was very I was like, whoa, okay, Darth Maul's pulling the strings here. Which I thought now
0: And he hates the Empire.
1: Yeah. Now was Kiera then the whole time still second in command, or was she maybe secretly just the highest ranking person there?
0: Here's the thing. Maul was a Sith, even though he's no longer he probably has the same Sith style of management of always have your apprentice ready to kill the person in front of them. <laughs> so he may have had her working for him or she was just ready to kill the person and move up. Yeah, because that's how Siths do management. Oh yeah, it's kill your yes. predecessor.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's ascension through murder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of wraps up Star. You know, Han Solo. Well, let's talk about another funny little yeah. Easter
0: egg. Is Billy D. Williams in the original would never say Han. He always said Han. Han. And Lando here does the same thing, but it's a joke. Right. Han corrects him, and he still just says Han.
1: Yeah, which I think was, and I and that probably was because Billy D just didn't know it was supposed to be Han.
0: Who knows? They didn't tell him he didn't you want know? to say it. He never said Han. It was always Han.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So they came
0: up with a reason. It's sort of like they came up with a reason in Rogue One for the weakness in the Death Star. Now we have the reason yeah. for Lando saying Han. I kind
1: of want a Lando Calrissian movie, to be honest with you. I would love to just see it a couple hours of that dude, Donald Glover, doing his thing, you know? Oh man! Well, he shows great. up
0: on Rebels too. He said some pretty good story arcs on there. Okay,
1: I see. I didn't. Yeah, I don't watch Rebels, so pretty cool. So, final takeaways: We have about forty minutes in here. We probably ought to wrap this thing up. But We're half
0: the length of the movie. Yeah. I know.
1: <laughs> just thoughts in general. You know, likes, dislikes, what you love, what you hate.
0: I'll say the Kessel Run was a little disappointing for just action. For, it wasn't as exciting as some of the other Millennium uh, well, Falcon scenes we've seen.
1: The, the, yeah. It's hard to get excited about flying through a maelstrom.
0: It's all just blue, and it looks, yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, um, w- when we've seen, especially in Last Jedi and...
0: Look at the escape from um, oh, Jakku. Yeah. In Force Awakens. Yes. we're rave pilots for the first time. And just the joy of flying in that exciting scene was great. Well, you get that to, energy's not You get here. to
1: see the Millennium Falcon really cut loose and do some stuff. And here's a brand new ship. It's brand, it's, it's new. It's got all of its power. You know, it's really, and we don't really get any, there's no
0: iconic space flying scenes whatsoever in the film. Empire. Who doesn't love when the Falcon breaks down and he hides on the back of the Star Destroyer? Exactly, you know. So that
1: was a little disappointing for me, as we didn't get any epic space. Here's one of the greatest pilots in the galaxy, self-proclaimed, in Han Solo. And we got no real real flying scenes with him, you know. So that was kind of disappointing. I loved some of the callbacks. I loved some of the... um, the interesting plot twists and turns. I love the cohesiveness of a real story running from beginning to end through it, you know. Uh, I think that's totally due to Ron Howard. I think that's his hand, his touch in the film. Um, <clears throat> so, overall, I, I think I would give the film maybe a, a three and a half, three, three and a half stars, BB+, somewhere in that, in that ballpark.
0: Yeah, and I'm on board for sequel. I didn't think I would be. But now I actually want to see a developing story. But are I we going to get, Hauntedri- we think we
1: even get one?
0: It's possible. They signed the actors on a multi-picture deal. <clears throat> so it's not out of the running. But Han is probably never going to meet Darth Maul because he doesn't really believe in Jedi or anything else. But Kira has to deal with him. Right. So while those two may not run into each other, Kira definitely has to deal with Darth Maul. Yeah, because, you know, this and movie- is not around this movie in the original is, trilogy, yeah, so th- something bad may happen.
1: Yeah, this movie is only 10 years before New Hope. Yeah. So in 10 years, and Han spoiler turns- Spoiler
0: alert for Rebels. Darth Maul meets his end in that series to Obi-Wan Kenobi, and that's four years before New Hope. So there's six years of Maul right. between his end and what we've seen in Solo. I, I,
1: I really think we've seen the end of Amelia Clark's Kira character. I don't think she'll be in another. She's going to go off with Darth Maul and do their thing. But Han has to get jaded and has to get in trouble with Jabba and has to believe this Jedi mumbo-jumbo stuff, you know, because there's no real force use whatsoever in this movie, right?
0: Just a lightsaber at the end. Darth Maul dispatches a guy that disappointed him.
1: But uh, you, but I mean that Han witnesses. Han doesn't see he any. Doesn't believe can- in any of that, right? You know, he grew and- up
0: on Corellia. He missed the Clone Wars. Exactly. He's never seen a Jedi.
1: Yeah, so uh, it'd
0: be interesting. I would love to see Jabba the. I'd H- love to see the huts. Plural, all the Hut Syndicate. Well, and that's different. The Huts have their own cartel, right? And then there's also these criminal elements, like we saw here with the Red Dawn.
1: Yeah, and what, wasn't wasn't there a mention of Tatooine in the movie?
0: Yeah, Beckett was going to. That's he right. He told him to look me up on Tatooine. I got a guy that is giving the best jobs or whatever. Yeah. So. And there's bounty hunters. I'd love to see some of the bounty hunters. They mentioned Bosk. Yep. Beckett says we should have gotten Bosk for this job.
1: No, yeah, absolutely. So I think there's a lot more source material that we, that we didn't know about. I think there's a lot more there than I realized, I guess. so. Okay, well, I think that's going to wrap it up for our spoiler cast of Solo, A Star Wars Story. Any
0: final thoughts, Adam? They did announce a Boba Fett movie is coming. This could be a way, this is all speculation, this could be a way to introduce Kira and Darth Maul into that storyline because Boba Fett does work for everybody. He works for Jabba. He works for the empire. He's worked for the rebels. He'll take a contract. And because Boba Fett has no personality. No, but you're going to need more characters. And I I think Kira is a good fit in that world, but I'm not going to be shocked if she's not, if she's in the Boba Fett movie. With
1: Boba Fett being a clone, he doesn't have any personality. How could you, I I mean, I love the, it sounds nice, but how do you have a whole movie around Boba Fett? He would have to be the
0: vehicle to let other characters really act around. He's an unaltered clone. He grows up like Django. Um True. But, yeah, you need other characters, and I, I think Kira is now a natural fit for that universe. Yeah. Because she could hire him for Red Dawn. Yeah,
1: that's true. Interesting. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening to The Film Coterie, and I hope you enjoyed our spoiler cast of Solo, A Star Wars Story. I don't know when our next spoiler cast will be. We'll have to wait. We only kind of do these on a movie that really just we want to talk about and just get it all out, you know. Um,
0: So it's usually Marvel and Star Wars movies. Yeah.
1: Infinity War was a definite need of a – of a spoiler cast and really to flesh out some of the twists and turns at the end of solo. I wanted to talk about that as well too.
0: And and maybe the next one's Ant-Man and the Wasp. There could be some big, big connections there for Captain Marvel. It's going to have to be something pretty, pretty dramatic
1: for me to want to do a spoiler cast. But I I tell you, I did see the Ant-Man and the Wasp trailer in the, uh, in in front of the solo movie and it looks pretty good. I'm kind of looking forward to it now, especially to see if something happens at the end of the movie. (laughs) Right. But we won't get into those spoilers in case you haven't seen Infinity War. You've been living under a rock. (laughs) All right, that's going to wrap it up. You guys have a good week, and we'll see you next time on another episode of The Film Coterie.